Welcome, everybody. To those of you who are in person, good to see you on this Father's Day. To those of you joining us online, thanks for tuning in. That was weak. Let's do a clap. Hey, welcome, everybody. All right. It is Father's Day, and you know what? We're going to lighten things up just a little bit today because it has been such an intense three or four months, hasn't it? Some of the topics we've covered, the plague, um, abortion, last week, racism, just heavy topics and, um, you know, important to understand from a biblical perspective, nonetheless, just weighty. So today we're going to lighten it up a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk to you about a Father's blessing, a Father's blessing, the power of words, the power of words. The Bible says this, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and our words help frame our world. And whether you realize it or not, your father, whether he was present or absent, either his words either built you up or the lack thereof tore you down, but... We are affected by words. And the the Scripture says that God has placed the Father as the head of the home. And so, the kind of the feel, the culture of the home flows down, especially spiritually, from the dad. And here's the deal. Dads, we don't always do it perfectly, do we? So we need a lot of grace. We need a lot of God's mercy. But I want to give you some thoughts today from the Scripture that's going to help you dads, and not just dads. If you're a single, single mom here, grab onto these, or moms, grab onto this as well, uh, because these are powerful principles that we find in the Scripture regarding building our families up through blessing. You know, probably you can recall some of the things your dad said to you growing up, some pithy little statements that were kind of witty, they were kind of weighty, they helped you, something like, you know what, get a good education. I remember that, my dad always saying that, get a good education, get a good education. They can't take that away from you, get a good education. And then dad say some stuff that's just kind of random or senseless, uh, but they, their dads taught them that and they kind of passed it on, stuff like this. Listen, when they're going to discipline you, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And that's what, as a kid, I would say, okay, dad, then let's switch roles, bend over, right, this coming your way. Or how about this one? Um, what do I look like? I'm made out of money? Yes. Yes, you look like you're made out of money. Now hand over some, right? I've done this before. So dad's, you know, sawn logs in the chair, was flipping the remote, and you say, hey, dad, you were sleeping. It's like, I wasn't sleeping. I was just resting my eyes. Stuff like this, just random, weird stuff. Dad's saying to you, if you break your leg, don't you come running to me. You ever hear this one? Just wait till you have kids of your own. Or my all-time main favorite one. What do you mean you can't go out and shovel the driveway? When I was a kid your age, I had to walk 10 miles to school in a foot snowstorm where it was 20 degrees below zero, and I had to go uphill both ways. You know, there's this, this is random weirdness, but nonetheless, words are powerful. Today we're going to look at a father's blessing and how important it is for dads to speak life over their family. We're going to use a story from Genesis chapter 27 about a gentleman, his name is Isaac, and Isaac is literally on his deathbed. He's blind, he is old, 
and he's about ready to bequeath the blessing on his oldest son. Isaac, his dad was a guy named Abraham. You've probably heard of him. And Isaac had two sons, two twin boys. He got married when he was 40 years old to a beautiful woman named Rebekah. They have twin boys. The firstborn was Esau, and the second was Jacob. And I've often wondered this. How is it possible, and you moms, you can relate. Lisa and I have four children, and they're all very much different. And how is it possible that two kids that form in the same womb can be so different in looks, in personality, but they are. Esau is like a little ape. He's a very hairy dude. He's got some back, he's rocking the back hair, you know. He's hairy all over. And Jacob, on the other hand, is smooth-skinned. He's the kind that gets a sunburn when it's cloudy out, you know. He's smooth-skinned. And even their interests are different. So Esau got an extra shot of testosterone, and he just likes to go kill stuff. He's in the mountains. He's got his bow. He's shooting stuff. Whereas Jacob hangs around the tents playing video games, right? So they're different. They look different. They act different. And they both gravitate towards different parents. Isaac relates more to Esau. And so he favors the the eldest son, whereas Rebekah relates more to Jacob, and she favors the younger son. So there's a little bit of sibling rivalry going on. There's a little bit of deception going on. Remember that Jacob, for a bowl of soup, took Isaac's, uh, Esau's rather, birthright. And now, in this story, he's going to take his blessing. Because here's what's going on behind the scenes. Rebecca, who favors I, uh, Jacob, says to him, listen, your dad's going to bestow his blessing on Esau today. And he's told Esau to go kill some game that he likes to prepare the tasty food just the way he likes it. And your blind father, who's on his deathbed, is going to bequeath the blessing. And know this, that in the Hebrew line, a Jewish father's blessing was a formal bequeathing of the dad's leadership and authority in the home. And that always went to the eldest son. And in addition to this, this blessing, this mantle of leadership and authority that goes with the eldest son, he also received a double share of his father's possessions. So that would bode well with the rest of the kids, right? You all get your cut, but the oldest son gets a double cut. He gets extra, double, everybody else. So that's how it went. That's how it worked. And so Rebecca comes up with a plan. She says, listen, we're going we're gonna to concoct this thing so that you get the blessing. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 27, verses 19 to 20. Jacob said to his father, trying to mask his voice here, I am, your, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Now, Isaac is suspicious of Jacob's voice because it doesn't sound like Esau. And so he asks, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And he uses the, the pad spiritual answer. Well, the Lord has given me success. He's lying through his teeth. In Genesis 27, Verses 21 to 23, he says, Isaac said to Jacob, Come near, my son, so I can touch you to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob goes close to his father who touched him and said, Listen, the voice is of Jacob, but the hands are like Esau because they had taken goat skins and tied them onto him with leather straps. 
So when he goes to touch him, remember Isaac is blind, he goes to touch his son and he feels the goat skins and that's how hairy his son Esau was. And it says, huh, okay, maybe it is you, Esau. The hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. And so now he gives the blessing. And here we find the blessing in Genesis 27, 27 to 29. And in this blessing, you're going to find four ingredients that are so important for fathers to leave uh, the blessing on their families, on their children. And so he went in and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son. It's like the smell of a field. This is a compliment, by the way. That the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you. He's speaking prophetically now. And peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And he says the same blessing that God told Abraham in Genesis 12. And Abraham Abraham told Isaac. And now Isaac is telling what he thinks is Esau, but it's really Jacob. And may those who curse you be cursed. And may those who bless you be blessed. And he speaks the blessing. And so Jacob receives that blessing. He goes and tells his mom. They give a high five behind the scenes. Just after he leaves, in comes Esau with the game he's killed and prepared. And Isaac trembles violently when Esau comes in and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and a bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But the rights of the firstborn son, the blessing, were given to Jacob. Dr. Gary Smalley wrote a book back in the 90s entitled The Blessing. And in it, he examines this portion of Scripture of the blessing that Isaac bestowed upon Jacob. And he said this, and I want to read this quote because this kind of sets up the rest of the message. He said this, The blessing contains four ingredients that ought to be present in every home today. And moms, if you're the spiritual one and leader in your home, take this to heart, okay? And when those four ingredients are present and practiced consistently, then our children grow up solid, secure, and confident of themselves, able to go out into the world and function normally as a follower of God. Now, what are the ingredients? What are the four necessary ingredients in this Father's blessing? That's what I want to talk to you about for the remainder of this time together here. And the first is this, a meaningful touch. Remember, when Jacob went in, his dad touched him, and then when he goes back to receive the blessing, they kiss. And there is something about a father's touch. And by the way, this is not an isolated incident in Scripture. Almost every time a blessing is bestowed in Hebrew culture, it involves touching and the laying on of hands and kissing. And dads, I hope, regardless of the age of your children, you hug your children you kiss your children, you embrace your children. My dad's 80 years old and in a supported living situation. And, was, well, before the Rona came, because I can't do it now. But pre-Rona, Rona, I, I hug my dad, I kiss my dad even now as, as uh, an adult. And I hope you do the same with your kids. 
hug him, kiss him, lay your hands on him. Do you remember Jesus did this? Do you remember Jesus with his disciples? And all these little children are coming to Jesus. Now, I've learned this about kids. If you don't have a good personality where you like kids, kids aren't coming near you. And so Jesus is sitting here, and all these little kids from the neighborhood are coming. And what does he do? He picks them up. He sits them on his lap, rocks them, touches them, blesses them. And the disciples, because they learn this from their dad, come in and they say, hey, hey, get these kids out of here. Kids need to be seen and not heard. You ever hear that one? And what does Jesus do? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, right. No, no. He rebukes them. He said, no, these children stay. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he places his hands on them and he blesses them. You know, there's something in a father's touch. On the one hand, it can be corrective and disciplinarian, but there's always love, should always be love in a father's touch, even when it's under correction. And so this is an important thing. No, no matter what your age, your personal contact, a handshake, a hug, a kiss, an embrace, it's important to communicate that through physical touch. I remember when I was uh, a younger father, my, and all of our little babies were babies. I did this starting with the first daughter, the oldest one. She'll be 29 next month or month and a half, all the way to the youngest who's 13 now. But I would go into their rooms at night. I have distinct memories of doing these multiple times. And you know, when they're, they're so cute when they're just sleeping in their little cribs. And I can't tell you how many times I'd sneak into their little rooms and just look at them and they're so precious when they're sleeping. And I would lay my hands on them. And I would say, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful girl. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that she would serve you all the days of her life. That she would never wander or backslide from you. I pray, God, that you would call her into ministry. Let her serve you and bring you glory. I pray for her husband, Lord, that she would get a God-honoring, glorifying husband. I pray for her husband when she's an infant. And I'm laying hands on him. And I did it with my second daughter. And I did it with my first son. And I did it with my second son. And they never knew. They were asleep. But those blessings are still over their lives today. And I think of my girls right now who are in church with their husbands and their families serving God, married to pastors, both of them. And I think back to those times when they were just little, little girls. And I'm laying hands on them. And I'm blessing them. Touching them. It's important, dads, to touch your family. And then, the second thing he communicates here, the second ingredient in a father's blessing, is not only a meaningful touch, but it's words of affection and love. Your words are powerful. They can either build up or tear down. Even in correction, it's the way you do it. It's the tone behind it. It's the heart behind it. Words are so powerful. Listen to what he says to his son in verse 27. He catches him pulls him in. Remember, he's blind, but he says, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. Some of you would take offense to that, but not a farmer. To a farmer, the smell of a field is the most delicious smell, especially at harvest time. 
Have you ever been up in Aroostook County, August, September, when the crops are getting ready to be harvested? And you can walk out, and there's almost this sweetness in the air when there is a crop ready to be harvested. It's just so clean. I don't know how to describe it if you've never smelled a field like that, or a field that's been recently mowed, or in the spring when you turn over the soil, there's this rich smell. And Isaac, being an outdoorsman, being a farmer, being someone who loved the land, gets a hold of this, and he's like, son, you smell like a field that God has just blessed. He's affirming it. What's he doing? It's, he's complimenting him. He's building him up. You see, too often parents are quick to criticize and remind their children of their mistakes. You dummy, why'd you spill the milk again? You're so lazy. You're ugly. You're too fat. Words of criticism do much more damage than you could ever imagine. Not that there's not room for constructive criticism, but it's in how you do it. But words of affirmation and affection are crucial for parents. Talk about affirmation. Do you remember Jesus? He's beginning his ministry. He's 30 years old now. He goes down into the Jordan to be baptized by John. I just got to put a plug in. This January, I got baptized in the Jordan. That's so cool. Just didn't have that experience. So he comes up out of the Jordan River, and when he does, everyone standing around is like, what is that? Sounds like thunder. And there is a booming voice from heaven that says this, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. On that affirmation, Jesus lives out the remaining three and a half years he has on earth and perfectly fulfills his father's mission. And he said the voice was for the, their benefit, people around him. But nonetheless, that he was affirmed by his heavenly Father. We need to affirm our children. I am proud of you. I love you. Yes, that was stupid. Don't do that again. But that doesn't change my love for you. You're going to do better next time. You build them up with your words. You affirm them. You bless them. One of the most distinct memories I have along these lines happened when Lisa and I were newly married and we had some friends living a couple hours away, and um, they were our good friends. We did a lot of stuff together, and we get a call one night, and they said, come quick, my dad's had a heart attack. And so we jumped in the car, we drove two hours to them. By the time we got there, the dad was dead. He was in the, in the room still, he was, he was dead. Just a young man in his early 60s, and I'll never forget my, my friend sitting on the edge of his bed with his head hung low. And you know how it is if you've been around someone who's died. It's just, it's shocking. It's just surreal. There's this weird thing in the air. And it's emotional. And, and your mind goes to the important things. And what he was processing moments after his dad died was this. I remember him sitting on the edge of the bed when we walked in the room, putting up his head and saying, I know my dad loved me. I just wish he told me that. He never one time told me that he loved me. And my heart broke for him. You know, because I, I know he loved me, but he never told me he loved me. What is that? That's stupid, and that's what that is. What would keep someone from telling, a father from telling his family that he loves them? Something's broken in him. Listen, this should flow out of you 
affirmation, affection, love should just flow from a father's heart. The Bible says this of our Heavenly Father, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And you know one of the best gifts you can give your family is not only your touch, but your words of love and affirmation. The third thing is He assured them of their value. In verse 28, He said, May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's riches and an abundance of grain and new wine. What's He saying here? He's saying you're special. You are of divine design. May God bless you with the best He has to give. You see, it's a father's responsibility to teach their family about God about God's blessing, about the grace of God, about the goodness of God, about the blessings of God. And here, he takes the opportunity to affirm his son. May God give you everything that you deserve because you are so valuable in his sight. There's something so powerful about a dad leading the home spiritually. And I wish I could say that I've always done this perfectly, but that wouldn't be the truth. Over the years, I've gotten distracted. I've gotten in my head. I've not taken all the time that I should have at times. None of us do it perfectly. But that shouldn't stop us from changing, right, (laughs) and begin to do it better. And it's so important that children know who they are in Christ, the number one responsibility of parents, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Matthew chapter 22, 37, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and teach this to your children. That's our greatest responsibility in life. That's the biggest thing. One day when we stand before God, dads, that's what we're going to be held accountable for. Did you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Did you love others like that? And did you teach your kids to do the same thing? Look at Deuteronomy 6.4. It's called the shame, S-H-E-M-A. That's what the Jewish people call it in the Torah, and they say it's the most important part of the Old Testament. And interestingly, that is what Jesus said is the most important commandment in the New Testament. We're to talk about the Lord when we rise up and when we lay down. When we walk on the street, when we sit down for dinner, it should be all, on our minds all the time is, is God in our communication with our children. And in that, they will understand who they are in Christ, how they have a purpose, and that is to serve and love God with all that's in them, how their destiny and is de- how they're designed for destiny and fulfilling and bringing God glory on this earth. It's important. And finally, casting a vision for their bright future. In verse 29, he said, May nations serve you. This is when he puts on his prophet hat, looking into the future and said, May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. He's speaking into his leadership. May those who curse you be cursed. Again, the same blessing that Abraham passed on to Isaac and now Isaac is passing on, which he thinks to Esau, but it's actually to Jacob. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed speaking into his potential. Fathers, when we look at our family, when we look at our children, here's what you need to look for. Don't always look for the negative. When you find the negative, yes, correct it. But here's what you look for. Look 
for their potential, who has God made them to be? I remember years ago, well, let me, let me say this and then I'll tell that story. These four things make up the mortar that holds a family together. A meaningful touch, words of affirmation, affection, and love, teaching them and assuring them of their value before God and casting a vision for their bright future. I had read some of this in the Bible, but I never really translated it into my parenting until someone gave me a tape. This was way back in, I think, 2006, 2007. And um, I got a tape about the, the power of a blessing. And I listened to that message and I thought, you know what? I see that in the Scripture. I need to do that. And I'll never forget, it was June 16th, 2007, Father's Day. I did a thing in the church. We were in that brick building, and I had um, written out for each one of my family members. William was just a little, little boy. He was just months old. And I took this piece of paper for each one of my family, starting with my wife, then my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter, my oldest son, my youngest son. And I began to pray over each one of them. And I said, Holy Spirit, teach me, who are these children? Who do you want them to be? What do you see, Lord, for their lives? What can I speak over them to affirm them and to bless them with? I did the same thing for Lisa. And I wrote down these blessings. Some of them were very specific about the type, type of spouse they would have or how many children they would have. Some of them were specific about a scripture, kind of aligning them with a scripture, about ministry that they were called to. And I just wrote it down. And then I'll never forget, I brought them all into the room. Here's my wife, just kind of down the line, little baby William. I sat a chair there, and one by one, I brought. I started with my wife. And this may seem strange to you, but this is what I did. I sat her on my knee, and I said, Lisa, you are a woman of God. And I had written some scriptures. I wrote some things about her ministry, and I blessed her. And I laid my hands on her, and I prayed for her tears started to flow. Then I brought Olivia in. Now all the family's watching this happen. And I set Olivia on my lap. And we had been through a couple things earlier. A couple years prior to that were tough on the family. But I didn't let that hinder from what the blessing was going to be. And I had written this out after prayer. And I spoke to her and I said, Olivia, I just spoke into it. It's, it was interesting because I, I pulled them out this week and I looked at what I had said over them. And one of the things I said about Olivia is you're going to have a very kind and compassionate husband. And she needs one because she's got, she's kind of like this in her personality, you know. And I was just looking back over some of the things I said about her and I can see it coming to pass to light. And then I did Victoria. And then Joseph. He was only like five. He doesn't even remember it. Joseph didn't. And William, who was just a little baby. And I put him all on my knee and I blessed him. And it's funny, particularly the girls. Every now and then they'll mention that. Dad, you remember when you blessed us? Oh, yeah. One of them had it up on her wall in her bedroom. A blessing. The blessing. The power of a blessing. I said all that to say this. The dad's your words will help frame 
the destiny of your family. And it's never too early to begin. It's never too late. Start today. Begin to pray. Maybe you've already done this. Maybe some of you have been doing this for years. Pray over the specifics of your family, who God's called them to be, and speak to their potential, and speak the Scripture over them, and pray for them, and bless them. I want to pray for you. And listen, I want to, I know sometimes it's easy to get condemned. You know, some of you guys didn't have a good role model for a dad, or Maybe you're just new to these things and you didn't know that was your responsibility or you look back and you have regrets. I wish I had known that back then and look how things have turned out. Listen, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God freely forgives. When we, and maybe, maybe, Dad, you need to go and repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. I've done that before. Say, I'm sorry. I, I said this. I didn't respond here. I raised my voice here. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let God deal with you and direct you in that. But the goal when you leave here today, dads, is not to walk away with guilt or condemnation. The goal is to be lifted up and inspired to, be, to do better in serving and leading your family. Amen? Regardless of where you are. So I want to pray for the dads first. And then after, I want to pray for those of you who don't know our Heavenly Father. You don't know that God is good. You don't know that He loves you, that He has a plan for your life. I'm going to pray for you to know our Heavenly Father. Would you join me in prayer, whether online or wherever you are, behind what screen or in person here? Let's pray. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Lord, you said where our sin abounds, your grace does much more abound. And as parents, fathers and mothers, Lord, we need grace because none of us do it perfectly. Father, I pray that you would help us as parents today, the dads in particular, to lead our families well, to speak life, speak blessing, to give meaningful touches, Lord. Make us aware of that, to speak words of affirmation and encouragement, to teach our families and to live it personally who you are, God, and what you've called us to be and do. And Lord, let us see the potential in our families, in our wives, in our children, in our grandchildren, Lord, and speak to that. We ask for your grace and your strength to do that, Lord. And for those that do not know you, Heavenly Father, they don't know how good you are. They don't know how kind you are. They don't know how merciful you are. I pray, God, by your strong spirit, you would draw them to yourself right now. Lord, you're holy, and you hate sin, but you love the sinner. And I pray, God, that you would cause us, Lord, to trust fully and completely in the work of Jesus Christ, your Son on the cross, where He paid for our sins. Lord, our hope is in that sacrifice. We trust You, Jesus, with our lives. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. And we ask that You make Your home in us by Your Spirit and help us to live to bring glory and honor to You, Lord. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. God bless you all. Pastor Jay's going to close us out here.